Happy, happy Wednesday, wherever you are on this phenomenal planet. Woo, there's some lighting to this camera. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so pumped about today's episode because it's so needed. I'm hearing the horror story. So, of course, you know me. I've got to bring, I've got to bring the tea. So we'll be, <clears throat> I did caption this trigger warning because some of you have experienced this especially when I've consulted with people, I share the stories and say, hey, heads up, you know, you know me, right? Heads up, look out for this. And then people start to share their stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is scary. So again, um, trigger warning, especially because we're going to be talking about our senior community, our elders, our disabled folks in terms of, uh, you know, when, when we're at that point in life. All right, Bomo says, greetings from Chicagoland. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Liam says, hello, how are you? I'm fantastic. You know, I'm through the roof. Make sure you check in, say hi, say hello. Let me know where you're from. Press one, lets me know you're here. Press two, lets me know you shared it. All right, so of course, make sure you are subscribed. Turn on that notification bell so you catch us on the live. 11 a.m., of course, if I'm not doing an inspection, I'm not, you know, running to and from escrow or property, but we are committed to be live on Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific time. I am based in SoCal, Southern California, Cali girl. That's why uh, those of you who are new to me would be able to connect with me at LA Super Agent. That's my uh, handle on all your favorite social media platforms. All right. Good stuff today. By the way, I'm going to be on the radio on Saturday. I'll be on, uh, let's see, I might have to don't download. I might, I'll find it, find it somewhere. But I'll be on the radio, uh, KBLA 1580 AM. I am a featured guest on the Talk Tech to Me show hosted by Cassie Bett. So if you want to hear the radio style, right, radio, live radio style, I'll be on the airwaves again. It's always great to be on the airwaves. You know, when I used to do the tour and I was kind of visiting different places and we were talking about real estate literacy. Hey, Michaela, great seeing you. When we were doing the uh, tour and doing the real estate literacy um, empowerment and I was on different radio stations, that was really fun for me, like to get on the radio. It's always fun. So I'm really excited to be on the radio on Saturday, of course, and doing this information that I do as well. All right, let's talk about writing down those goals. You know how, listen, where, where are we right now? We're in October. It's official. It's October 12th. In fact, I'm going to date the show, right? So it's October 12th. Write down your goals. We are already towards the end of 2022, towards the end of the fiscal year. And so if you haven't written your goals already, guess what? It's not too late. You can still jump on board. I have just added some new goals. Um, I think I shared, I haven't really shared. I've shared snippets of one of the goals I'm working on. So of course the paperwork came back. I'm, I'm working on expanding um, the brokerage. So one of the, the paperwork came back from the, the state, uh, the Bureau of Real Estate for that state. And I, I messed up. I did not include the cashier's check. I wrote a business check. Duh. All right. So follow those instructions when you're doing this kind of stuff. And that was just me being excited. And I just was pushing against a deadline because I only have 60 days to get in my background check paperwork. And it was so close. 
And so I messed that up. It came back and they were like, by the way, make sure your background check is not, you know, is within the 60 days of, you know, us receiving it. So the good news is <clears throat> I got my background check yesterday and I will stick that in the mail. And so woohoo! in about two or three weeks, we should have our brokerage license. It's called reciprocal. So we'll have the brokerage license and reciprocate it in another state. I'm just, it's just something that was on my goal for a couple of years. And I just felt now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time more than ever to do it. So I've shared my goal. If you're, you know, happy to share, listen, uh, drop it down in the chat. This is a community here where we're building and supporting each other and accountability is key. So I'm here for you. I'm here for you. All right. Okay. Before we jump into today's segment, because we will be talking about episode 180, can grandpa's caregiver inherit his house or his entire portfolio of property? Oh, don't say it's so, Lisa. Yes, it is so. So of course the answer is going to be yes, but we're going to talk about how does that come about? We will be discussing the dark side. So I did say trigger warning for those of you who may have experienced this. No way in any way, shape or form am I trying to uh, bring back traumatic events. Um, I'm wanting to just make sure that we are aware of what's going on, what's out here. Richard says, hello, I'm a new subscriber. Hello, Richard. Welcome, welcome. Great seeing you. Thanks for joining us. Love it when everybody's catching us on the live. Again, if you do miss us and we're not, you're on the replay, hashtag replay. Uh, if you have questions, you all had great questions last week when we talked about um, rent hacking, when rent hacking goes bust, especially because we're at a time with uh, COVID protections. And if you're in a state that's pro-tenant, like, ugh it's going to be pretty hard to recover. See, being here in California, um, our protections and LA County specifically voted to end that February, which essentially would be like March, March, 2023. And then there's like this fine line or fine print that says the tenants under that protection now also have 12 months after the emergency order ends to repay any uh, back rents so it's a pretty involved process. And then you have people in there that are trying to use COVID to not pay rent and that whole thing. It gets messy with the courts and all that stuff. Robert says, great life. Thanks. I'm here for you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. So let's talk about disclaimers because I said we are going to talk on a topic and I wanted to revisit this. It's called TOD. Drop that in the chat below. TOD. Transfer on death deeds. Transfer on death deeds. TODs. Of course, the information on this show is not meant to be legal or tax advice. Please consult those legal, reputable, licensed professionals. Again, who? Who? Reputable, licensed professionals, because in all industries, there's a, you know, you get your bad apples. And unfortunately, you don't find out you're with a bad apple until it goes left and sour and you're like burnt after the fact. I, unfortunately, I'm I'm hearing that. I'm seeing it. Those of you who are new to me, I'm an advocate. I am a real estate advocate. I'm a real estate literacy advocate. Uh, in fact, I wanted to address this. I might talk about this on the radio this Saturday as we talk about this game of ownership, right? Real estate ownership, because 
people are like on this big push of oh real estate ownership but is anyone following Anne Hesh's estate, this battle with um, her son and her ex-boyfriend over her estate? I read something very interesting this morning as her son is petitioning to be administrator over her estate. And he says that um, he says that he he petitioned and believed that the value of her estate is about four hundred thousand dollars which it includes some, you know, bank accounts, liquid accounts, and had no real property because he said his mother, Anne Hesh, did not believe in owning real estate. So I felt like that's a topic, a worthy topic, because there's different school of thoughts to that, right? Most folks don't realize when you're Jumping into ownership, you should be factoring in what 5% of your purchase price towards maintenance, those capital expenditures and the oopsies and the I didn't know I'd have to replace a roof and that whole thing. So what's your thought on that? Right. I will. We'll, we'll just kind of build on that. I just thought that was really interesting because as opposed to other people, celebrities and folks that pass on, they usually have a portfolio. And so this was one that really came to my attention. I've been following it and um, I've been following a couple of the estates and different things because we can learn from this stuff. You go, oh my gosh, this is what happened, right? So, all right. Before we jump into that, questions, comments, feedback from last week, did we want to recapture? If not, um, we'll continue. If you have any topic suggestions, I know there was a topic suggestion last week about uh, choosing your investment location. I'm putting that one together. So we'll bring it to the show about uh, choosing your investment location. So I'm happy to do that segment, especially, and here's a little bit about that, especially when you're talking about, let's see if you're in a premium state, right? Real estate is really prime, very, and expensive is a relative word, expensive to whom? And so prime real estate, um, the numbers are pretty high price point. I, I, I guess the best way to say this is it's um, the price per square feet is relatively higher than other states. Aha, there we go. It's a nice cleanup. <laughs> price per square feet, relatively higher than other states. And so with that, I feel like, you know, we've got to be careful when we're jumping to other states because we're wanting to pick up property and may not have the team to manage it, right? Or you're just really not aware of the community, the neighborhood, uh, the city's plans for that particular city. Do they have plans for that particular city, right? We want to make sure our investment strategy works with the exit strategy that we are planning for ourselves personally, right? You, your exit strategy is going to be different from anyone else, all right? For, or from everyone else. All right, good stuff here. Let's see, I'm going to take a sip here and bring on our slide. Of course, we do have a show sponsor. Let me bring slides up. So classroom style today, by the way, we will do, yay, classroom style. Classroom style, which means I've got a whole PowerPoint for today. And I'm going to bring that up. And we'll jump right into that after our sponsor break. All right. We'll be right back, you guys. Sit tight. 
We know how challenging it can be to try and sell a home while also dealing with other financial and legal matters. We are here to help. Devenio Estates is the real estate firm you need to make sure your unique situation is handled as quickly and efficiently as possible. Our team of professionals has a combined experience of over 30 years in real estate, construction, and finance industries. As active professionals in the industry, we know the importance of timelines and pride ourselves in providing superior service without compromising integrity. We use industry software and copyrighted proposals so that our real estate agents submit accurate and complete listing information and buyer offers. Our goal is to exceed your expectations and set Devenio Estates as the go-to real estate firm for excellence and advocacy and superior services for our clients. Contact us today to learn more about our services. <laughs> little shameless plug, um, little shameless plug. Uh, that's our that's our brokerage separate from the show. So of course, uh, today's sponsor of today's episode. Myra says, "Hi, Myra. She's wonderful advice for those on the journey to help members of their family. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm here for this. This is <laughs> genuinely." I'm here for this. And what is the price of admission? If you are new to the show, price for all this free real estate game, the price of admission is not free 99, but in fact, letting me know you're here, you press one in the chat. I love having the chat all fired up. And two, lets me know you shared it. Of course, if I drop a real estate gem, something that was nugget worthy, you know, give me a mic drop so that uh, we can highlight that as well. Because sometimes I go in and I'm like speaking of different uh, concepts and, you know, techniques and tips. And I'm, you know, I'm pouring into you. I'm loving on you. And then you might be like, oh my gosh, that was, that was so golden. I'm here for you. <clears throat> Real quick, uh, just a reminder. My name's Lisa Gillette. Welcome. Also known as Super Agent. Yes. Uh, by the way, I used to do that in character, live in character. Uh, we wrote the book, Real Estate 100, The Teen Home Buying Experience, did a spinoff called The Teen and Millennial Investment Blueprint, and also doing another spinoff of that called The Teen and Millennial Land Developer. Like my dream is to create the Harry Potter series for real estate books for youth and young adults. Because when I wanted to pick my career, if you remember ninth grade, like when you were a freshman, eighth grade or ninth grade, you started high school and they said, okay, what do you want to be? And then you had to pick the top. You had to pick that field. At least this was my experience. I feel like everyone had this experience. Most had this experience. And you had to choose your career and then do research. I recall going in that class. It was in a class and there was like, a, you know, a, a bookshelf with a whole bunch of books with career choices. And there wasn't any in particular specific about real estate. Although when I was 11 in the back of my mind, this was something I thought was pretty cool. And I was like, huh. And so, you know, life would have it that years, decades later, I would jump into it. And more so, um, that involved starting off as a notary public is my first foot in the game, then a salesperson, then real estate broker. And then I've shared with you, I'm two years in in law school, pursuing to be a real estate attorney. I've got goals. See, these are my goals. That's what I'm saying. Write this stuff down. So I am a active professional, meaning 10 toes to the ground. I'm in the field. I'm actually doing this work uh, in between shows. I'm taking a phone call. I'm negotiating deals. I'm showing properties, inspections, training. In fact, I just got a call 
to come on and do a training for uh, an organization that just created their own grant program. So I, I'm looking forward to learning more about this. I'm going to uh, learn more Saturday. If this is good stuff, we'll bring it to the show because what they're using grant money for is to buy down the interest rates. I like this so far. I like this. Thumbs up for this. I like this. Creating avenues for those who want to get their foot in the door, but these rates are kind of like doing what they're going to do. They're projecting there'll be 7 8%. You know, the big plan is what I was hearing. It's supposed to be at like 8% in three years. I mean, we're at like what, 6 point, what is it? 6.7, something like that, depending who your lender is. Because the lenders do their overlays. We'll talk more about overlays throughout the show. Uh, I've always discussed overlays. This is why if one lender says no, go to another lender. They have different overlays. Don't give up if they close the door on you, right? Some lenders are going to be very black and white. They're going to want to, you know, everything has to look perfect and FICO and look good on paper. But if you go to other lenders, mortgage bankers or mortgage professionals, they have different overlays and guidelines that might be best suited for you, for your situation. All right. Good stuff. Where I, my heart is near and dear as a um, seniors real estate specialist. That means I just have uh, training. I hold that designation uh, to work with the senior community. And so this is why I want to talk about this today, because more the more I work with this uh, group and this community, the more I'm seeing and hearing the horror story. So we'll jump right into this. This will this topic today will touch along uh, probate a little bit and something called the Medi-Cal Recovery Program. But I can do a whole segment on that as it relates to real estate. So I'm going to split that topic into a show for next week. So we're going to almost do this as a two part. OK, let's jump into this chat uh write down in your notes we're going to talk about tod today so tod's what i would like for you to do because you are chiming in from various states and places thank you very much um tod oh shout out to those of you who are streaming on ergj enterprise facebook page and group thank you those for your continued love and support <laughs> and um TOD, I want you to write this down. I want you to write, throw this in Google. What states use, so we can do the quotes, so you can, it actually, it should come up as one the top on Google. But if it doesn't, I want you to do it like this. I want you to use the air quotes. Air quotes, open quote, end quote, air quotes. What states use TOD? All right. There's 18 states, California being one of them. So I can speak from California in this perspective of what our guidelines are. Uh, this is really cool. This is a really cool document or tool to transfer real property to the next family member without doing a what? A living trust. Now, am I an advocate of not having it? No, I think you should do your living trust. And be careful not to create more of a mess when you're making your living trust. So again, seek, you know, legal advice and professional advice when you're doing this kind of stuff. But this document here has been renewed. It actually um, was up on the legislation for whether it was going to be renewed or not. And so 
we talked about this in the past. I wanted to revisit this again, especially as we're watching a couple things. One of every three seniors are diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. We're seeing more and more properties falling into default with reverse mortgages. We'll talk about that again. Now I feel like, so you see how I build these series. Now I feel like I'm going to be on a three-part series. Talk about reverse mortgages. Talk about uh, Medi-Cal recovery. There's so much involved with real estate. And when we talk about passing it on to our heirs, what are the proper steps to take in order to accomplish that? So again, I do want you to take the time and for wherever you are, find out if you can use the TOD deeds. Banks have their own form, right? The transfer on death beneficiary forms for bank accounts. That way you don't have to probate a bank account, someone's bank account. It'll just go to whom that person designates as their beneficiary. So I do want you to take the time to do that. What state uses TODs? And just as a reminder as well, we are on episode 180. So we're going to be talking about can grandpa's caregiver inherit his house? Who's the caregiver? Where did the caregiver come from? <laughs> right? And let me let me just give you some context. Let me give you some context. sips tea, right? <laughs> Let me give you some context. I was out in the field this past week. And as I do what I do, I'm, you know, connecting with folks personally. Yes, I'm that type of person. I'm, I'm an out in the field agent. Because the people who need the information oftentimes are not on the internet. So we do a couple of things in terms of our own marketing strategies and campaigns, and just connecting our business as a resource to the people that we serve is getting out there, right, physically. And so one, and this is why I said, we've got to talk about TODs again. Because so here's the the story that came by way of a CNA. In fact, he was a home health aide. He's a home health aide. And as I was discussing about, you know, making sure your estate planning affairs are in order if you're a property owner. And unbeknownst to me, he says, you know what? That is so good that you are out here saying this and at least, you know, telling people to do this, he says, because I'm a home health aide. And he said, I'm brought in, you know, from time to time for a couple hours, I do my home visits with the person that is getting the, the, the benefits of, you know, home health care or home care, excuse me, home care. And it home care can happen into in, in various forms. So it can either start off at they're in a nursing home or nursing facility, and then they're either transferred, you know, back home if they're, you know, determined to be hospice uh, with a terminal illness and ultimately will be uh, passing away. And so he was sharing with this, telling me about this story about how the nursing facility employs social workers who continually does the visits with the patient, patient being the owner who owns real estate, owns, might be his primary home, and does the visit with the uh, patient, homeowner, and encourages them to sign over their property to the nursing facility so that it pays the debt 
being incurred for services with home and community services provided by the nurse, nursing facility. This is why I said I'm going to do this in two part, because this might be new information for you, <clears throat> how Medi-Cal recovery program work. If you have a senior or a family member who's receiving Medi-Cal benefits for services of long-term care, that's what we're talking about. LTC in conjunction, in conjunction with dealing with TODs, transfer of death deeds. All right. Heavy topics today. Yes, heavy topics. That's why I said trigger warning, because a lot of you have loved ones that you care for. I am so glad you're here listening to this information because if, if they own property they you and you know you don't have the resources to do the, the uh, living trusts, then this may be available in your state. And while they are living, they're competent, they can designate their beneficiary. In fact, if you don't know this, I bet some of the caregivers with who are have malintent, right? Ill intent to recover benefits from that patient owner for themselves. We've seen it. We've heard it. Right? Next thing you know, uh, grandpa passes away and he had property, bank accounts, and a car. And the caregiver ended up getting all of this. What? How? How was this possible? Well, you know, me being a notary public, when I've had to notarize certain documents that deal with estate planning, I had been called in on one occasion when the patient owner was on his deathbed. Sad, sad thing. This was a couple years ago. This was about eight years ago. Fortunately, I haven't been brought into a situation like that a couple years ago. I'm a notary public. And so I was called in to the uh, private home. It was a private home residence that provided long-term care for people, uh, seniors or disabled persons. And when they called me in, it was, I believe it was uh, one of the daughters who called me in. And so when I came in to visit, um, he was on, he was essentially on his deathbed. He was completely out of it. I mean, you you could see, I think he had IV hooked up to him and he had a nurse there that was just on watch, you know, if he woke up, if he needed anything, just kind of monitoring his vitals. Michael says, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. My heart is being filled because at least, you know, I don't fall on deaf ears, but I, I know I trust that it doesn't. It, you know, at least if I just can touch one one pair of ears or, you know, or or live um, someone who's listening, right, or reading, because, of course, uh, I'm noticing there's a big movement with ADA as well. So I'm glad for captions uh, for those who are reading this and following along with this information. Very needed. So thanks, Michael, for letting us know you are finding value. <clears throat> so I come in as a notary public and... She says, I said, well, he's sleeping. I can't notarize these. He can't sign. You, I need him to sign. And he has to sign my book. And I have to take a thumbprint. He's not in that position right now to do it. 
And I said, I'll, I can wait a few minutes. You know, I can stick around for 20 minutes because I wanted to help. I, me not knowing, I was called in and I'm genuinely wanting to help. Of course, I don't know his condition. I don't know if he's sleeping or if he's like on his way to, you know, like if they said, hey, this is it. You know, he's in his last hour or hours. I didn't know that I was not privy to that information. So me wanting to extend myself and just make myself available, I said, I, I can stick around for another 15, 20 minutes. If he wakes up, great. Um, I'll speak with him and we can get these documents signed. And she was adamant. She pushed the issue. And what really was concerning was the body language of the nurse that kind of was like, mm, heads up, right? Like, hmm. Because even though we're talking about caregivers, we're also talking about loved ones, right? People who don't have the best interest of the person that is going through this, who has ownership of property and accounts and, you know, cars, et cetera, right? They have a portfolio. That's their estate, by the way. You know, most people feel like, well, it's just real estate, real estate. No, the estate is what that person owns, what makes up, you know, their portfolio. So in any case, how I handled that as the daughter was adamant, and this is what really just gave me chills. She grabbed his hand and she said, what if he signs like this? Can he just sign your book like this? And she's doing this, puppet master. And I just <gasps> was like, oh my gosh. I said, absolutely not. And on that moment, I said, when he wakes up, you can call me. I will make myself available. If he wakes up, if it's seven o'clock tonight, if it's nine, 10, I'll, I'll, you're close enough in the area that I can drive back and I'll come and perform the notarization. And it's very scary to know that in this business, because I've had cases, in fact, I had one that just settled with a client where her family member disinherited her interest by way of deed fraud. It's called a quiet title action, by the way, when you want to recover your ownership interests. Again, uh, heavy topics today. I know it's just heavy topics, but it's called a quiet title action is what the legal term is when you are looking to retain or recover your ownership interest in a property. So in that case, we had to do a quiet title action, a quiet title lawsuit against the estate so that she could recover her 50% interest in her mother's home. This was the home she grew up in. So I say that to say, this is why I feel like we need to revisit this conversation about transfer on death deeds all right. So yes, um, it does avoid probate. It's effective January 1st, 2022. There are new changes. Those new changes being that you now have to notify the heirs. And I like this change. Why? It's because it's no longer like a secret that this document gets note that this documents get signed by the owner and saying, I'm designating, you know, to my grandchild, my grandson, right? My granddaughter, and this, again, is in the event that they are sole owner on the property, not if they're married with joint tenancy, community property, or some other vesting 
called Tenancy in Common. This is sole owner, which we see for the most part of those who've owned property from the 1960s, because that's what I'm seeing coming up on the records with these probate properties. Probate are the properties that are um, now having to be uh, overseen through court. They go through a court proceeding to then convey title. And that's what probate is, by the way, with real estate, when real, real estate is involved or the real property is to convey title to a new owner. The court oversees that process and there is no court confirmation. And with court confirmation, again, you see how I'm building on the series. Like that would be, I'm already at a four part with this context here. I'm four parts already talking about probates. We'll get into it though. So with this transfer death deed, you will need this to be witness, two witness, two witnesses. And they, you cannot, and I'm, I'm speaking to my attorney colleagues who I work with on another matter that has come up. And so the will had been signed, but not witnessed. And so we're talking about different ways of how this could happen. There's this thing called the harmless error doctrine, whole bunch of, you know, meat here. But in any case, let's just stick to the immediate guidelines. What's really cool is that if you go to the Secretary of State for your state, um, your county recorders, they would have this form and they will have instructions on how to use it, how to properly do it. Now, here's the thing. If you mess up a step, it will be dismissed. It, it will not work. It, it just will not work. And you'll end up in probate. So make sure you follow the rules. Get some help with this. Two witnesses must sign, um, now sign, effective with the new changes, uh, the California TOD deed. Not sure about the other states, okay? But de definitely follow along with what they require. The beneficiary, the person receiving the benefit of the property should not be a witness. Conflict of interest. Um, the... It is required to be signed, notarized, and dated. Again, this is where I said as a notary, I had come into a situation and as a notary, wanting to make sure that I'm confirming that the signer is competent, cognizant, and understands, right? Is alert and is not under duress. Because um, if I notice as a notary, if I notice that the signer is under any of those, I should refuse notarizing that document. If the person ends up having to, if the person signs, by the way, and you know, hey, that someone had them under duress, they were forced and the notary didn't catch it and still notarize it, you can potentially challenge that. Okay. Again, seek legal advice about your situation. And then you have to record it in the county recorder's office, 60 days within the notarization date. I like this. I like this because that means you're not holding it on, holding on to it as a secret. No one knows that this person just gifted you this property, right? Now you have to notify the heirs within 60 days. You have to record it and notify the heirs and say, hey, grandpa, just named me as beneficiary to his property and you all should know. Okay. So I like this because now it becomes a topic of conversation that we're aware. The key changes are the beneficiaries required to notify the owners, heirs upon the owner's death. All right. 
The heirs have, I like this part too. Again, this is protecting the intent. If it was a true intent and this person is competent and all, you know, everything checks off and the intent is true for this person to receive this benefit. Again, in the event of a caregiver, right? Caregiver says, slides over some paperwork and says, sign this right here. Next thing you know, they're inheriting the property. The heirs have 120 days to challenge the transfer. Excuse my typo. They have 120 days. I'm going to have a pop quiz on the end and I'm going to do a giveaway. You have a choice of the Ready, Set, Real Estate mug or the Ready, Set, Real Estate hat, black, white, red, blue. Um, we've got a whole collection of hats. So I'm doing a giveaway. Stick around for the end because I'm pop quiz you. <laughs> heirs have 120 days to challenge the transfer. Liens or deeds, by the way, if there's a mortgage in the event there's a reverse mortgage uh, hat and, and they are valid if they are recorded, of course. Um, liens or deeds are valid if recorded no later than 120 days. Usually these properties have an existing lien. It's going to be valid. OK, uh, the beneficiary is obligated to settle the estate debts, meaning you, uh, the caregiver, you, family member, who, whomever is now the beneficiary. Uh, you, it is your responsibility to communicate with those creditors, lien holders, that you are the successor in interest and that you are looking to settle those debts, right? Pay off the mortgage. Um, there's, It's a whole nother conversation. Again, see, I'm on part five about assuming mortgages. And you can, as a family member, um, if the loan stipulates that it can be assumed. So we can talk more about that. See, part five, jeez. TODs, I'm already on part five. We'll get here. And I'm going to remember to write my notes on that. So we'll talk about Medi-Cal recovery. We'll talk about uh, probate. We'll talk about assumable loans. In this case, when someone passes on, can you assume the loan? Yes, you can. Especially, I mean, can you imagine like if they have a great interest rate and it's a decent payment? I mean, I was uh, assisting with a senior client of mine who inherited his mother's property. He was the successor trustee. So he's the last successor trustee. And uh, he wanted to be able to assume the loan. And we found out it would be best in his scenario. He could assume the loan. However, we found it was best to, to get him a, a VA loan. The rate was better. Everything just worked out better. And so, yes, we've done it. It can be done. All right. TOD uh, deeds executed before January 1st, 23rd. 32 are valid. So this is what I want to point out because they only make this, I'm noticing 10 years at a time. It is only this, this law available to us all that says we can use TODs to transfer real estate. Could you imagine? It's a beneficiary designation form that you get to assign your beneficiary. It's only valid for 2030 until 2032, January 1st, 2032. So at any time between now and then that you utilize this, it will be valid as long as you, you follow the proper steps. Here's what I want to say about that. Also, just like when it came out in 20, 2006 is what I want to say. It came out in 2006 originally or 2011. Don't quote me. But what we're seeing with uh, the legislation is they are renewing their it's, you know, sunsets. They renew it. 
and they continue it. The reason why this is made available naturally, any thoughts? Why are they saying that, you know what? We should allow people to just designate a beneficiary before they die. Why? Why would the state say, let's allow them to utilize a form and follow a process to achieve transferring their real property to their designated beneficiary? Why would they do that? Why would they make that allowed? That's not the pop quiz, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you guessed it. You're thinking of it. It's to avoid overwhelming the courts with probate cases. I mean, if you've ever gone down to your court recorder, your court, local court, I do. There's a list of cases that are going through probate. I, and for those of you who are wanting to or interested in purchasing, like that's a whole nother business and real estate game. Go down to the court, follow the list. They have it posted. Find out who's the administrator. Find out who's named. Find out who's petitioning for the estate. You can contact, work with a real estate professional because you'll want to find out what liens are recorded against that property so you know what, at minimum, what the payoff needs to be, right? You can then do some homework on how much equity is left and whatnot and learn what the intent of the family is. Are they looking to retain the property, uh, qualify for a loan, or they do they need a private loan? And I'm noticing these, there's a lot of folks using private money. So if you've got... Um, a SEP IRA, you've got your uh, retirement accounts and you want to put that money to work, um, private loans, right? And you secure that money with the collateral and you do it through a legitimate process, right? You secure the money, right? Albeit you're using it from your trust. Um, I just looked at one the other day. Uh, they use their trust and they loaned, they, they let the administrator who was assigned the, uh, through probate became the heir or excuse me, the beneficiary of that property. And she wanted to buy out the other heirs. So through a private loan, by way of someone lending them money through their trust, they recorded a uh, interest against that property. So it becomes a lien against the property. And that's how you protect your money in the event that the person defaults, et cetera. So again, just told you another way to make money in real estate. <laughs> yep. Okay. So questions, what type of real property can be transferred using TOD deeds, right? So again, we talked about portfolio, right? What does that in fact look like? Real property being most condominiums, residential properties from one to four units, residential one to four units. It includes interest in stock co-ops, it excludes agricultural parcels greater than 40 acres, which means you get to keep the 40 acres of land and no more. So again, what types of properties can you use for this? Residential properties, one to four units. Again, it is I, this for me would be considered a simple estate plan. It's not complex. You know, it's it's not involved. Again, I imagine someone who's got multiple properties definitely should have their team of advisors, as I've talked about, who are your top five, right? Your team of advisors, your PCP holistic doctor, your insurance advisor, your financial advisor, your attorney, your real estate professional. All right. Okay. David says, loved it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Feel in love. Feel in love. Good stuff. 
So that's who it can be used for. Who can be a beneficiary? We're going to wrap this up, by the way, you guys. We're doing really good. I did not mean to go over, but you're here with me and I love it. So who can be a beneficiary? To whom can you transfer property to? Natural persons. Again, if he natural persons, right? Trust. You can actually, if you do have a trust, there's an existing trust. You know, grandpa may have done a trust back in whenever. And the trust itself has not been funded. It's called funded when you create a trust. You've not funded the trust with the property or the assets listed that the trust says, hey, uh, grandpa has, you know, his primary residence at such and such, such. He has a bank account, account ending such and such, such. He has stocks at such and such, right? So if the trust has not been funded with those assets, meaning you've recorded those assets as the uh, the trust as the owner of those assets, then this is a way to take the TOD deed and designate the trust as the beneficiary. If you know, well, grandpa has a trust that he made back in 2001. It's called the grandpa living trust dated 2001. You designate that as a beneficiary and we know that, okay, we need to follow what the trust stipulates about what is to happen with the real property. Okay. Legal entities. This includes, and see, I'm a bit suspicious, but I'm really not. I don't want to insult or offend nonprofit organizations, but I, I did have someone call me and they were just taken aback, just blown away that a family member, <clears throat> excuse me, a family member designated that her home be donated to Goodwill, an entire house, free and clear. Did she have children? Yes, she had children. She had two. And that's why this had come up on my radar. They asked me like, hey, is can they do that? Yes, right here. We are reading it, right? Right here. You check this out. Legal entities being, including nonprofit organizations, Goodwill, so they can name a charity as their designate as their designated beneficiary. Uh, who else can they name? A designated person. That also means a caregiver. If they feel like this person has spent their last hour, last days caring for them, and you know it's it's a very sensitive and vulnerable time when someone is experiencing these end of days moments, right? End of life moments, if you will. And I, I've heard the stories that they'll designate the caregiver. The caregiver will, you know, retire off of the person that they were caretaking for. So they can designate a family member as well. They can even designate a friend or a lifelong partner. So the answer is when we started this, right? Can grandpa's caregiver inherit his house? You're nodding your head now, right? Yes. Even though grandpa has, you know, children and grandchildren, yes. Because if grandpa designated by way of the TOD to someone else other than family, then that's what it is. And you are in an uphill battle to challenge the estate for that. Um, again, can the owner change the beneficiary? 
you guessed it. Yes, right. I, I hinted, right? I hinted. I started to my head already. Yes. What I do appreciate greatly, immensely about the TOD deed, it is, it is a revocable, right? It, yes, it is a revocable, revocable, however you say it, tomato, tomato. It is a revocable uh, document. And the owner, here's, here's this important part for us. The owner still remains control of the property during their lifetime. Guess what? The beneficiary is just that. It only takes effect when the person dies. So you're not giving power to someone else. You're expressing intent to avoid the probate so that it's, you know, it doesn't create issues for your estate or your family, the heirs. Right. So this is great, because if you decide you've named someone in that moment in time, oftentimes life partners, you would name a life partner and then things, you know, you're in that moment of uh, sickness and health type scenario and they're not there for you or whatever personal reasons you decide. Grandpa decides he no longer wants that person to be the beneficiary of his property. He can change it. All right. So let's talk about cons, the, the cons here. And I, I said, we'll touch on this more in an episode next week called the Medi-Cal recovery program. The con here is the property may still be subject to the Medi-Cal estate recovery. If the owner was a recipient of Medi-Cal benefits. Okay. Uh, also the con is let's say <laughs> grandpa names their 10 year old, uh, great grandson, which is a minor, so yes, if the minor is named as a beneficiary, then the court has to appoint the custodian who will be the custodian to oversee because they're a minor, they're, they're under age 18. Also, the beneficiary is held personally liable for all unsecured debts. Again, we talked about it, mainly, of course, the mortgage. When we say personally liable, you're responsible for having to pay off, which is why we end up seeing in these types of transfers, if someone's not prepared, is why ultimately they end up having to sell the property to settle the debts. And then the last part here is if the owner is incapacitated, then they will be, un it, then the fact is, right, incapacitated means not competent, not able so they're unable to revoke or change the TOD. So if they do assign someone, and then again, you don't have a power of attorney in play to oversee changes and make changes, then it's going to stick, right? If they become in incapacitated, which is why make sure you get your affairs in order. All right, listen, Whew. We made it through that. Thanks for hanging in there with me. It was really heavy, really heavy, a lot of heavy concepts, but very important, I think, nonetheless. Important for us to have a discussion, family discussion, bringing, up, bringing it to the table, to the counter. Let's have lunch. Let's have breakfast. Let's talk, right? These are the things that you want to start discussing with family members. Otherwise, you are going to be... A, in a, in a situation where it's going to just be overwhelming and messy, right? Wonderful. Christopher, Christopher says, great information. I am so glad you found that valuable. Pop quiz. I said, if you stick around, 
I will give you, um, you will be a winner of Ready, Set, Real Estate mug, right? This is a six, 15 ounce. And I've got the visors enhanced on the other table here. So pop quiz, if you're if you stuck in from the beginning to the end, right? Um, I, I'm going to make it easy, right? Because there's a lot of information. So how many days does an heir have to challenge the transfer? Mm. <laughs> how many days? Pop quiz. How many days does the heir have to challenge the transfer? Yeah, by the way, I do giveaways. Yes. <laughs> How many days does the heir have to challenge the transfer? I'll give you a uh, multiple choice. A, is it 60 days? 60 days. Is it B, 90 days? <laughs> C, 100 days, B, 120 days. Can't say that I don't care. I'll make it easy for you. Just need to pay attention. This is on, on the spot pop quiz, so forgive my typos, all right? <laughs> A, 60 days. So how many days does the heir have to challenge the transfer? This is going to, it's funny, you're going to go through life and you're going to be like, gosh, Lisa asked me this. I'm supposed to know this. Yes, because if you're going to deal with a TOD or someone serves you or sends you a TOD for a loved one or a family member, then what is your right? What is your right to challenge that transfer? 60 days, A, 60 days, B, 90 days, C, 100 days, or D, 120 days. You know, when I do this with the with my youth groups and we're in class, I normally pay, I play my Jeopardy music. I don't have my Jeopardy music right now. So what will it be? I'll have one more and then we'll wrap up because I am inching closer to that time. One more and we'll wrap up. Uh, what's the next one? Ooh. Mm. Go to my notes. Shall I go back? Boom. Come on. <laughs> here it is. Okay, so make sure you're screenshotting it now, right? So boom, here it is. How many days does the air have to challenge transfer? It's 120 days, okay? 120 days to challenge the transfer. Um, make sure you're taking those notes, you guys. When I say classroom style and I open up the show, I say classroom style, that means pad, pad, paper, text, tablet, write down those notes. All right, you guys, you guys hung out long enough with me. Again, plenty of opportunity throughout the show to get some freebies. Again, win your mugs, your visors, your uh, shirts, all your ready, set, real estate swag. I appreciate you. Again, if you have any more questions, comments, you can always email me at lisa at lasuperagent.com. Uh, if you have not already received your freebie, uh, send me an email to lisa at lasuperagent.com for your free CFPB Homeowner's Guide to Success. What I really like about this, 
what I really like about the CFPB Homeowner's Guide to Success is there's a budget sheet, there's a worksheet, there's also resources about property retention. We did a whole series uh, last November, I believe we started November through December. We did about eight an eight-part series on options on how to retain your property when facing financial hardship. So now that the moratorium protections had ended, have ended for those mortgages and car loans, they ended December uh, 31st, 2021. Wells Fargo was one of the first banks that said that they will not start the NOD filings, meaning the notice of defaults until January, end of January 31st, 2022. And so from my end, I'm seeing the filings. I'm seeing, seeing the, the the notice of defaults, the notice of trustee sales. We talked about it on the last episode. I gave you websites on how to check out for those NODs and NOTs. If you're interested in picking up uh, investment properties or looking for real estate opportunities, you can check out the trustee sale websites uh, on past episodes. All right. You have been marvelous. We'll see you next week on another information-packed episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. Have a powerful and productive week. Take care.